let's start with the very origin of death because if we have to understand anything instead of just trying to look at the phenomena and trying to understand the phenomena we need to go back to the origin and that reveals a lot and this origin of things is uh, ultimately at the end of it a matter of uh, inner experience we may use the word occult experience spiritual experience but this spiritual experience has been given to us uh, in terms of metaphysical thought for the mind to grasp or in terms of stories for the heart to cherish so let me start with two small little stories about the origin of death as given in indian mythology one of the story is uh, that death has a wife uh, sorry sun the lord god of uh, truth and light effulgence has a wife called sangyana literally means an all comprehending consciousness obviously we can connect it to the supramental truth but it so happens that at a point of time because of such a tremendous hate light tremendous pressure she goes for a few days and replaces herself with a her sister called chaya which means shadow so now the lord of truth has two wives one is who is uh, intimate all comprehending consciousness and the second one who is chaya chaya is shadow which imitates his wife so that's how out of chaya shadow and sun out of the play of light and dark there is born this strange being who is and who is not and that is called death so he is known initially as yama yama literally means the restrainer so there are two laws that begin to operate from that moment onwards so we are saying one is the law of truth <clears throat> the law of sun and we here can connect very easily to that this is the law of truth which we have been the ones to express in our lives because if the law of truth is operates then we escape the law of death the second is the law of death and the law of death is to restrain yama literally means you know, patanjali yoga sutras yama niyama so it restrains the free flight towards infinity now this is not without a purpose because uh, if we look at the sunlight the way it emerges and reaches to the earth we'll see that the pressure the gravity the force is so intense that hardly a photon or two escapes from there that is enough that little stream to light up our universe little universe so for a real creation in terms of multiplicity to be the, there was a need to put a kind of veil and whatever is behind the veil or below the veil grows under the law of death until it is ready for the full blaze of the truth so the law of death operates as a shadow to help us slowly slowly take little baby steps we are having this wonderful everything teaches us so whether to have the talk here or outside and as you said it's very hot outside so we have the talk here now you see this is the choice outside is beautiful but it's very hot <laughs> this is also beautiful but that is something amazing you know so something similar happens in our life that we have a two stage progress one a long time when we are under the grip of death and darkness and ignorance and then the law of death operates so what is the law it's a restrainer 
it doesn't allow us to go beyond the point that is how it operates you take the law of karma take any which way ultimately it means you can't go beyond a point you may be born with the greatest of aspirations every child i believe um, is born with something beautiful we may call it an ideal because in the mind it comes as an ideal an ideal of love of beauty of light of freedom of truth of bliss peace this fellow says no 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 i limit it so it limits and therefore beyond a point we cannot go so within there are two kinds of humanity one which is content within that limit it says uh, let's make the most of what yet we may spend until and to the dust we descend you know umar khayyam's uh, quoting him sense wine sense singer sense song sense end so this one one kind of um, we human creatures who are content with the law of death and within this framework they operate and they want to make the most of what is possible within it but there is another kind the rebel in the true sense they want to go beyond the frames and i suppose everybody gathered here in some way wants to go beyond the frame so limitless not just abundance there is a difference between the two limitless love limitless knowledge limitless truth without error limitless bliss we are meant for that we are born for that limitless peace not dependent on any external condition so this is a dream we are born with and at any given point of time these two are acting simultaneously upon every human creature and a time comes when we are more conscious of this or more conscious of that when we are more conscious of that limitlessness towards which we want to go then yoga begins when we are not conscious of that then it is a subconscious yoga going on now this conflict which is going on within us on one side the law of truth surya pulling us on the other side the law of death yama restraining us rooting us serves a purpose paradoxically everything in this creation serves a purpose on one side it roots us from too premature a flight if we take too premature a flight it's like traditional yoga where one of the great poets mystic poets saints kabir says that the pot is broken and the water has escaped uh, this is one kind of uh, understanding about uh, mystic truth that you know pot is the body the vessel the mind life let it break the soul should escape but there is another truth that no the soul has not come to escape it has come to change these very things so now there are parts within us which respond to the law of truth and the one part which is directly tuned is the soul the psychic being and because it is so tuned directly to the law of truth it knows it that's why in savitri it is called satyavan it knows the truth so it cannot die you may burn it you may bury it it refuses to die and it carries the dream imprints of the future so the dream refuses to die we come back in new bodies new minds new life but the dream doesn't die it carries forward wherever we have finished like in a sense kept inside that the whole purpose of rebirth we come back with the dream we go back with a still greater gusto we we die a million times and we rise from the grave and the pyre one million and one times that's what life is about and it applies in a mini way in one lifetime also so many times we face different kinds of death haven't we seen a dream which collapses you know every youngster faces some kind of dream whether it be dream of a career job relationship relationship is so common so people come through and they go through a lot of pain but uh, 
pain is temporary the dream is permanent you know when they are going through the pain sometimes they feel like life is not worth living i am crushed fallen but what happens after some time the dream bounces back and if they have learned how to wait the dream will return again there is a crash again it returns the dream refuses to die so and all human life is ultimately not to give up but to build eternity with transient things that's what shirobindo beautifully says to tune our steps in time to the rhythms of the eternal this is what life is about to mate the finite with the infinite meaning thereby not to escape into the infinite but let infinity flow into the finite form this is the whole secret of death but death tries to delay and it will only slowly step by step you apply an effort which looks like you will take a 100 step leap but halfway through like the story of daedalus and icarus it will make us fall see flying began then <laughs> then da vinci and of course the right brothers and today we have entered in there but yet humanity advances so we should not forget that so the great lesson of death is it teaches us to persevere to be patient to try the better way the right way so this is the secret of death that it comes to on one side not delay delay it looks like delay but to take everything and everybody along so mother gives a very nice little example she says supposing you are going a family is going on the you know on the road is going somewhere um, i don't know people may have witnessed ancient old time indian families with four or five kids so you know the father is in front the mother is holding a baby and there are four five we are there sometimes you don't know where is the child so we are all within us we carry multitudes and a part of us is forging ahead the soul within us it's the real it has the original dream so it is forging ahead and haven't we noticed is a very common observation and the mother says yes is so true that when we are in a state of great aspiration we think ah we are right there at the doors knocking and now it's about to open and we are so wonderful and we just come out and we say you know i had a beautiful meditation so nice it is you know and in the evening <laughs> the door <laughs> seems to be closed forever as if <laughs> isn't it common experience when you are in a state of intense aspiration you suddenly see somebody as pulse port has clipped the wings <laughs> or held us back tied our legs and said no you be here because we have forgotten something the whole idea of rebirth and the journey is that that we have forgotten something there is a baby out there within us crying for toys and we didn't care about the baby we were just oh i want the divine so but the baby wants toys is i don't know about divine i want that little toy so what do you do you can't go like that you have to tell the baby okay give him a toy he is not ready to fly the aircraft you have to carry along and the baby takes a toy after some time it says no no i want something better something true then at one point he says okay now i understand you know <laughs> these are all toys they will break there is something more true more lasting so in us also at any given point of time these are the forces which are acting one which wants the truth and truth alone and nothing but the truth that's how we take oath in the uh, place where there are liars you know uh, this is a little one from shirobindo when he was told about lawyers l a w y e r s those who uh, 
you know, fight a case on behalf of not truth, but on your behalf. <laughs> they are supposed to bring out the truth. <laughs> and uh, so Shravinda says, yes, yes, in Punjab they all call them liars. That's how, you know, you sometimes pronounce the word lawyer as liar. That's how. So he says liars. So, you know, there is in us a part which is response to the truth and that is in the beginning when you take the oath. I will speak whatever I speak in the name of the Gita or the Bible or the Quran or my God or whatever secular. <laughs> I will speak the truth and that the end of the truth. After that everything else that carries on is a lie in the name of that truth. So within us there is a part but however small which responds to truth. And the beauty of um, you know the spiritual thought and the fact of experience of life. If we look across through centuries, not a little brief lifetime, look across through centuries, the truth is that though this part which opens to the truth may be a momentary thing, yet the eternal truth is that Satyameva Jayate Nanritam, Satyene Pantha, Vitato Deviyana. It is truth that have the last word. So this is the hope that mankind nurtures within it. That's why it comes back. The whole idea of rebirth is that. Otherwise, rebirth has no meaning if it's all about, you know, uh, good and bad deeds and judgment and punishment and reward. Uh, God is not a CEO with a carrot dangling in one hand and a rod in another, sitting with a nice bearded smile and saying, you creatures, condemned to hell. Obviously, such a God is uh, not worth <laughs> praying to also. So, he is constantly wanting to change us into that light of truth to which we belong. So we are at once double birth, a part within us responding to truth and many things which do not respond. Not only do not respond, they close, go inside the little hole and they don't want to, they resist. So how do we deal with these things? That's where the secret of death, the more we ascend to these parts which are inside the hole, more we are being pulled towards death. You know, there is something which we as scientists, uh, I mean, Medical uh, doctors recognize it's called as faith and will to be. Now, you know, we talk about Corona and all that, you know. Uh, I wish people made a study, but otherwise there are studies which have been done that who dies and who lives. One of the most important factor is will to be. I remember long back when, unfortunately, I was attending on a case which had, you know, a case of self-harm. The child had got badly burned. Child means a grown-up. Uh, girl and I asked the doctors like you know I'm myself a doctor I said what what do you think are the chances like hanging says it'll depend upon her will to be the specialist doctor and it's so true so what is important step one is which side is our will to be and this will to be is so important when Shubindu speaks of the descent into night where you know is the domain of death he says a fifth columnist murmurs defeat. You know, what's the fifth columnist when you go in a war? The fifth columnist, the first columnist is the warriors. They want to fight, eyeball to eyeball contact and they love the battle and the victory. They don't mind falling on the ground but fighting. But fifth columnist are those that carry the rations, etc. They are afraid of the bullets so they keep saying, Sir, why do you want to fight? Why don't you know? Let's go back, let's go back. So within us we have a part which murmurs against faith, full of disbelief. Mother speaks of it. She says, my struggle with death is mainly the suggestions that come from every side. And she says, it's almost cruel. All the time I get suggestions. Oh, Shobindo left his body. How are you going to succeed? How is it possible? 
She says, then I have to fight against it. And then she says, this yoga is not for the weak. You must have the consciousness of the warrior who is willing to go right up to the end and beyond. If we are not ready to go right up to the end, we can't go to the beyond. It's a basic logic. Right up to the den, the fight will be carried right up to there. In the jaws of death, there is the secret of immortality. That's why, you know, we have asadoma, sadgamya, tamasoma, jyotirgamya, mrityorma, amritamgamya. What is it? It's not from death to immortality. One way to look at it. But that immortality which is hiding in the cape of death. Mrityorma, amritamgamya. So that's where the secret of immortality has to be found. And how it is to be found? That's where these parts within us, which are not accepting the law of truth, they are the other kind of rebels. They want to be away from the effulgence of truth. And how do they act? Doubt. Oh, this truth and all is, uh, you know, there are some crazy people who go to some ashramas or who start believing in crazy things. Real life is here. Eat, drink and be merry. Enjoy. Until you are enjoyed by life or death. This is doubt. God doesn't exist, say hallucination, malady of the mind, thyroid gone wrong, or maybe you know you should get your blood sugar checked up, that's why you are talking of God. So this is the doubt, disbelief, depression, distrust, despair. All these are agents of death, Yamadut. They are not like coming with <laughs> these kind of creatures. They are those which sow into us the seeds of impossibility and yet the impossibilities of today are possibilities of the future it's not important whether in a particular lifetime we conquer over death in all the domains or not what is important is with if we go down may we go down fighting like a warrior not like a you know somebody who has given such marvelous lines in savitri she refused to give consent to that that's the kind of spirit that is needed to conquer death. Yet death comes, it comes into life. And when it comes, how do we deal with it? Not with the eye of the defeatist, that all is lost, all is never lost. Because there is something which refuses defeat. As I said, which rises from the pyre and the grave. That's why the famous lines of the Gita on one side we talk about anityam asukham lokam, that's about the world. But what about the soul? Nenam chiddanti shastrani nenam dhati pavakam. The fire burn it not, the weapons cannot leave it, the waters cannot drown it and the air cannot dry it. Meaning thereby it is beyond the four, five elements. It belongs to that domain. Even if you destroy all the elements with which the warp and woof of creation is made, yet it will survive. It, it will survive defeat. It will survive death. So this is how we should treat the departed. Not as somebody who is, you know, there is a very interesting tradition. Um, uh, I am sure it is everywhere in different ways, but I am talking of the context from which, because I had this question that when there is somebody who has died, why do we go and do pranam? He is gone. So it purely materialistic view is there, is there is no more. You may do it for social reasons. Because there is always a social reason. So you know, it doesn't look nice. Everybody is around. It's a kind of last respect. But whom are you giving respect if he is gone? Or you, if you take a traditional spiritual view, he is gone. The moment there is death, all is gone. So why are you doing pranam? So somebody like, you know, the 
crazy people like me want to question everything and want to know the reason. I won't do it just because everybody says so. So the reason is twofold. One is that this is the body which someone inhabited for so many years and took the challenge of death. It doesn't matter. Won or lost. The dreams of today are realities of tomorrow. Not yet immediately. Like I said, the dream of flying seen by Daedalus and Icarus and the author of the Pushpak Viman, Valmiki Ramayan. Or in our more recent times, few hundred years before by Da Vinci, ultimately got manifested. And the spacecraft could free itself from the gravity field. So, this is a bo- each body is a challenge. Every time we take a birth, every time an avatar comes, he comes to take the challenge of the law of death. See, the story goes like there is an opponent, the eternal opponent, whether it takes the form of Ravana or Kansa. But who are they? They are the great deniers. So, there is the challenge of death. But the challenge of death has to be taken for the challenge of the future. That's why death is a sphinx with two heads. Know the story of the Sphinx. She's a symbol of death and immortal life. Same. So she asks the question. If you answer the question, Shobindu puts it beautifully in his poem, A Vision of Science, where religion as it is receding, tells science, Thou who thinkest term and end for thee are not. Though thy pride is great, thou hast forgot the Sphinx that waits for thee beside the way. All questions thou mayest answer, but one day her questions shall await thee. That reply for they who cannot die. She slays them and their mangled bodies lie upon the highways of eternity. Therefore, if thou wouldst live, answer first this one thing. Who art thou in this dungeon laboring? So first thing necessary to escape the law of death is to recover and discover that part, Satyavan. Who is in any case free from the law of death. There is within us. That is the psychic being. That little antaha sharire jyotirmayohi shubro. That little luminous. But since he knows the toil of mind and body and life. As a mother knows and shares her children's lives. She puts forth a small portion of herself. A being no bigger than the thumb of man. To face the pang and to forget the bliss. This in us is the Godhead small and marred. I believe there was a pro- dance program, drama uh, on Nachiketa in Auroville yesterday. Uh, that's what uh, I was told by Fabian and today also. So that's the story. There is something which death cannot destroy. Let's find that. That is the uh, parasmani, the, the philosopher's stone, the touchstone. And if we Find that, then the first escape from the law of death. And see, death helps us towards that. It is because there is death, men seek immortality. But they seek it, the, the, the worst or the lowest form is through my child. That's how, you know, death has something to do with the reproduction. You know, the sexual energy with the new creation. You turn it downward, you have a baby who will continue your lineage, Santan. Turn it upwards... It's not a baby, but you discover the divine baby within you. So these are the two options. (laughs) Turn it downwards and outwards. It's a little baby in which all our energies go. Turn it inwards and you discover the eternal child of the divine mother within us. So this is the first conquest over death. Without it, all scientific way, this way will remain a dream. Having discovered that, now we start 
each part begins to escape the law of death. One of the first is mind. Why? Because matter is so close to the inconscient root of things. The last thing that changes. But the mind in the process of hierarchy is much higher. Mind many times has a tendency to escape the law of death. That's why people mentally can immortalize a work of art or you know uh, authors who write things which, which carry on for ages. The mind has this ability to escape the law of death. It can enter into endless space. So if we inspire the mind with thoughts which are luminous and upturned toward the sun, so we at least one more layer which is conquered. Step by step the battle. Then comes the heart and the vital. Very difficult fellows. They know they want immortality but they also want their all their life with fun and party and games and everything. <laughs> so you have to play with them. They don't listen to the mind. Discipline the vital. It will shut down. You allow it to come and bring into it that little chip. So let it not be love which is just a normal usual love. You know that Shelley's poem, I cannot give you what men call love. But the love which is an adoration, let love turn into an adoration, is seeking for a ideal state, perfect state. That's what happens with every love story, starts like that. It crash lands, that's a different thing because Messer's death is waiting. So the heart begins to get purified when you know one wants the truth of the soul in the bodily life, in the emotional life, then heart begins to change. It is also one. Now one more creature on the side of sun. Then the lower impulses turn towards food, sexuality, normal job, ambition. Tell them there is something much greater, much higher, much more beautiful, more refined energy. Instead of drawing that energy, lower energy, draw much more uh, purer forms of energy. So slowly, this also fellow realizes that that is so much better. I can remain energetic throughout the day. So the vital, once it tastes the lower vital, there is a much better energy by opening to the universal vital and ultimately through spiritual aspiration to the divine, the simplest ways by divine service and divine work, the lower vital begins to change. And then finally on the body, the most difficult part to be convinced because it's so obscure, the cells don't even know all this. And so every time, so illness is a means when we go through difficult phases of the body, why illness, pain? We all experience sometime or the other. This pain which is a roga can become a yoga by using this pain as a means to open to the divine consciousness, to the divine light. A little story I remember, I uh, love to recount it, of Jugalda, with that we can stop. So, you know, he, he was wincing with pain, for 15 days and people notice us Jukalta what's happening he was the registrar of the uh, Shurbindo International Center of Education at one point of time so they asked him that why are you walking like this and you know he said no I have a bad corn so he said why don't you get it operated he said don't say that you know I was for a long time thinking of calling Ma all the time but I won't remember now this every time I press I call Ma now this is not the perfect way that we have to go through pain to remember. But every time we have a pain, we are a bundle of nerves. These nerves can be offered to her. It's a way that the yoga in the physical is actually done. That one enters, the light enters into this and all the nerves will rebel. They will say, ah, ooh, ouch, all kinds of things. 
Don't use the holy gel spray advised by the doctors. Use the divine spray. It will take time, but it is the most perfect healing. So when people depart, we should treat them with this respect, this love. They deserve. They are not gone forever. They will return. But while they are in the transit, they need our help. And what help we can give from here? The thoughts of love, thoughts of respect, not, oh, that fellow, good, he has gone. Good riddance. After death, we are all that luminous beings. We are not bad creatures. Soul is always beautiful. Whatever there may have been differences, fights, quarrels, before death, please embrace the person with love. Because that is the truth of a human being. And when the person departs, by all means, very important. Because the soul never wanted to enter into quarrels and fights. It always comes with the dream of love. Everybody as a youngster has this dream. It's a different thing. Again, Messrs. Death and Company, which will restrain, like the Tower of Babel. They will not allow. They'll create confusion because he doesn't want you to pro us to progress fast, rapidly. And as I said, there's a purpose. So when people depart, salutations and... Know that they will come back in new bodies, new climbs. The journey will continue. But while they are transiting, let us offer a love. Let us send them back. It's the last act of love that we owe towards everybody. It's the act of setting them free. We grieve not because of them. We grieve because of us. It's the value of a person in our life. But is the value limited just to the physical things or the little affection that he could give us? The real value of a person is what he aspired for, what he hoped for, what he dreamed for. However buried it was, that is the real value. And that's all we should remember. Not that moment of, oh, somebody, you know, there are people who die of uh, very um, strange things. Some people take away their life. It's a tragic thing. Yet, the man is not defined by that. The man is defined by what he stood for, what he aspired for. So when we remember that, the person also goes happily on the journey because that is his secret truth. For a moment he had forgotten. Consciousness was clouded. So he did what he should not have done. But yet the truth remains. And when he has left the body and that vital sheaths, now he remembers, this is what I am, the luminous Satyavan. And so he is very happy when somebody says, yes, I know you are that. I don't label you as what everybody thought of you. It's not a tragedy. Death is never a tragedy. Death is a beginning to a greater end. So let me close with these few lines from Savitri. Um, I was thinking I won't, but uh, can't help it. <laughs> so just a few lines and then we can have question answers. It's on page 600. <clears throat> All here is a mystery of contraries. Darkness, a magic of self-hidden light. Suffering, some secret rapture's tragic mask and death, an instrument of perpetual life. It goads us to live. If there was no death, we would stay in comfort zones. We face death and we take the challenge of death. That's why we forge towards the future. As I said, it's the sphinx with two faces. The future comes with the promise of change and the promise of death. We have to accept so we can't take one. We take, accept the challenge of death, we take the challenge of the future. If we are afraid, then we lose. Although death walks beside us on life's road, a dim bystander on the body's, at the body's start, 
a dim bystander at the body start and a last judgment on man's futile works other is the riddle of its ambiguous face death is a stair a door a stumbling stride the soul must take to cross from birth to birth a great defeat pregnant with victory a whip to lash us towards our deathless state the inconscient world is the spirit's self made room eternal night shadow of eternal day see sanjana and uh, sangyan and chaya night is not our beginning nor our end she is the dark mother in whose womb we have hid safe from too swift waking to world pain we came to her from a supernal light by light we live and to the light we go this what we must remember and give send offs to people with this hope with this fire in the heart this is the fire in which we must burn the dead that fire is for the body but there is a much greater fire and when they burn in that fire we add our aspiration on their journey they know that our life has not been in vain and not a failure it's a great defeat pregnant with victory thank you i think we'll stop here and have questions yeah that's much better Hello sir uh, I'm sorry but if I have misunderstood any part but um, I wanted to understand what is the association between death and karma okay so karma is a uh, the association between death and karma so karma literally if we go back to the origin is an energy that we release into this world okay so this energy is released originally this energy that is given to man through which it is being released we think we are doing karma but we are like conduits through which energy passes goes through the system and is released into the world so what we add to it either a force of propulsion or a force of distortion this is the two things which are possible energy comes from nature and beyond nature that's even commonly we can see but we let it forward all the time this is happening in this world so when we are aligned to light and truth and to the original will then we give it a propulsion and when we give it a propulsion we grow and when we are not aligned so we add to it our own deformation our own little distortion say for example that there is a work which we are meant to do by a sudharma arjuna has to fight a battle because he is a by sudharma kshatriya now so is karna but what is the difference arjuna fights with the dharma flow of dharma he is not fighting because you know uh, i want to win and rule over and crush these fellows and you know make sure they become slaves but karna is fighting for a different purpose so we add either from our side our assent consent to the workings of the will most of the time we are not aware but the original what's happening in the background or we add to it a distortion we deflect it so depending on that in a lifetime nature shows us by experience that you have deflected it and that's called the consequences of karma we thought that ah i have cheated this and i have won and then you win everything and you lose it right from your hands it escapes okay so life it's not about punishment it teaches us that there is a deflection so next time we do it a little better then a third time we do it a little better now but how many time we'll do a little better in one lifetime a lifetime is too short because the body is not yet 
able to progress continuously. So a time comes when the body says, you keep doing better and better, but I am poor fellow, I want to go into the dust. It's not able to take that load. So when, you know, it's a paradox, mother puts it like this, that at 60 we learn how to live. I don't know how many are here in this age group. <laughs> so, at 80 life begins. You have done all your mistakes. Now you know, no, this is how it should be. <laughs> but the body says, sorry, too late, you know. Too late for me. <laughs> so what happens? Dust. Now, in next life, you begin your journey with the essence of that experience. So karma is an evolutionary mechanism. We could go on a road up to a point, learn up to a point through experience, consequence, action and consequence. And some of the consequence we have not yet learned, so we carry over for another life. That look here, body says, I can't take all these consequences anymore. You fellow. <laughs> so, so we quit, uh, not quit, but you know, there is a state of dislocation, permanent dislocation. And we leave the body, but to come back from where we had left. Something unfinished. So through karma, we grow. So karma is an evolutionary mechanism inbuilt like a software within our soul. That's why we are never satisfied with any halfway homes. Have you ever heard about karma theory applied to animals? I mean, don't go into jataka tales which are a way of explaining. But you'll not hear. Nobody says that, you know, tiger will be punished because it ate a deer. <laughs> tiger, it's his law of being. But with human beings, the karma theory comes into existence. And it comes into existence because individuality, the law of choices and consequences. So because we are growing now at an individual level. Before that, there is a collective law of the species that operates. So if a species is misbehaving, nature will exterminate it. That's a different thing. So individual soul is on the journey and it grows from the state of total darkness in which it is plunged to a state of complete effulgence of truth through the release of energy till it reaches a point where it everything in it is completely aligned to the original will. What is that original will? Eko ham bahushyami. Everything in us must become divine. And till that happens, in the mind one can realize it, soul can realize it, mind can realize it, heart can realize it, lower life parts take time but can realize it, the body longest. So the whole original will is that in nature. In creation and that is why we refuse to give up. We want perfection. Ask even a person who is meeting with everything still wants perfection. The cause for our unhappiness in life. We want perfection. But the thing is that we want perfection in others. This little change. Why doesn't the person care for me, love me, understand me perfectly? But the perfection has to be realized within me. That's the only thing. That's what the difference between yoga and, you know, early life is. Same thing everybody is doing. So, this perfection, the original replica of this perfection is above in the law of truth. But we try to, you know, uh, do it, fashion it. So, karma theory is basically, is the evolutionary mechanism. The body is destroyed, but the soul carries the imprints of essence of the experience and the unfinished curves of the future. Essence of experience, not the details. Nobody, if somebody says, oh, I remember, you know, everybody, first of all, past life remembers that he was a king or somebody. Nobody remembers that I was a notorious gangster and a criminal in, you know, uh, Spain or somewhere, you know. Uh, sorry, I mean, I'm, I meant the, what was those uh, ship uh, people who used to go into the ship and steal, yeah, pirates. Pirates, maybe good guys at that point of time, whatever their ideology was, but nobody remembers these things. 
everybody was somebody special that's uh, you know imagination you don't remember the details not necessary it's like childhood memories what remains of the childhood memory people go through a heartbreak at the age of 16 17 nowadays it is at 10 9 11 whatever you know things have advanced even at 5 i heard somebody you know it because evolution but that time it appears life has collapsed what happens at 45 50 60 when you have a child that age and the child says uh, papa mama i am going through a heartbreak what do you say oh my child world has collapsed you say are you will go through it and grow through it why because essence is remained that love doesn't die that's the essence you would have forgotten the same person you meet later on you won't blame that you rejected me and you did this because you have outgrown so essence is carried through the law of karma in the soul and that is what is put forth as a seed for the future and the unfinished curves unfinished curves in this example would be in a lifetime you couldn't realize the dream of perfect love so in next i will be okay fine better understanding better growth that's how the law of karma continues yeah yeah belief and the belief. only belief role of belief so there are two things we must uh, differentiate one is belief and the other is faith so belief is uh, is a thing of the mind you know minds have belief system like when shobindo says that uh, we have a soul i can take it as a belief and turn it into a belief system like you know we have grown up like that that there is a soul so every time somebody dies we play the geeta in the indian context and you know there is a soul soul doesn't die but next moment we are all the time lamenting everything so belief doesn't no, ordinarily belief gives us a comfort but it doesn't automatically translate into the truth of experience but faith on the contrary is embedded in the soul what we have faith in we end up realizing because faith is much deeper so if i faith that there is a soul within me or i am the soul i will end up one day finding a way to realize it doesn't matter i may read no book at all in this whole creation i may have never read any book in the past or present or one that will come in the future but if i am made up of that faith that there is a soul within i'll do anything everything maybe while drinking water i will say oh where is this soul inside and one day i'll find the way to find it so faith is a power which impels us to realize what we have faith in so it is a secret knowledge belief is a mental construct and uh, it may help people but equally it prevents us to go beyond a point depending on the kind of belief we have for instance we may have belief that you know we are rewarded and punished by some god sitting out there so it may prevent me from you know Uh, doing certain uh, evil deeds though i am not sure whether it's true because most of the people who very rigidly believe in sin they commit the worst sins upon earth you know uh, punishment and all they give punishment to others all right that you are a sinner and i'll punish you but they continue to you know massacre ruin rape plunder everything but uh, still it's one so it it is meant to believe systems are meant to help us operate within a certain framework it gives to the mind a framework but it also prevents us from going further imagine a religious belief system in a in which a person has grown up and he believes that's the end of the story so he will never go beyond when a greater truth manifests this one of the challenge of challenges of the mother in shurbindo 
where on the one side materialists don't know how to reject him because he speaks of divine materialism and the religionists don't know what to do with him because he says go beyond religions <laughs> so that's where spirituality comes in spirituality takes us beyond belief systems to the truth of experience so belief can be a starting point but the perfect starting point is faith and this is the starting point it should translate into experience and that requires practice so all yoga is to translate faith into a living experience so that i don't just believe there is a soul inside me but i become one with that soul so that i can say like what swami ramtirth said when somebody asked me after a lecture so swami ji you mean that there is a soul within your body he says no no i i'm not saying that he said but you just said some such a big lecture he said you got me wrong i am a soul and i have a body it's not that i have a soul i am a soul and i have a body it changes the perspective and it's not a perspective change but a fact of experience that when we know that we have a soul not by mental knowledge which belief system provides but by living fact of experience then we are freed from the sting of death it cannot ever touch us that's the perfect way to freedom from death because you know it doesn't exist i don't die whether i live or die i am so this is the difference between belief and faith <coughs> Alok, would you would you mind to uh, um, to give some uh, some words about your personal experience about fear? Because um, even though we may uh, relate from our psychic being, uh, death is very associated to fear, and we may pretend, okay, I am absolutely not fearing about death, but still there is some yes. very Could you share something which could be yes. more personal? Fear of death. So, uh, fear, like everything else, can be experienced at different levels, and we have to address it at each level. So, as you rightly said, that um, intellectually the mind may understand. We may convince the rational mind, and it is rational not to believe in death. Actually, rationally you can convince it, as the Gita starts with that, that if death is the end of everything. why are you worried logical if it is not the end of everything why are you worried that's how it starts no telling arjuna that you know if everything ends with death what's the big deal one day you will die everybody has died that means end of everything so what there to think about it but if there is something in us as uh, you know people who have gone beyond say then why worry so this how the intellectual mind has to be uh, explained and uh, not by a belief system by but by logical it's a logical conclusion that if something survives in whatever way information consciousness energy doesn't matter then what is there to worry about death is only something happening to a part uh, let's start with the very origin of death because if we have to understand anything instead of just trying to look at the phenomena and trying to understand the phenomena we need to go back to the origin and that reveals a lot and this origin of things is uh, ultimately at the end of it a matter of uh, inner experience we may use the word occult experience spiritual experience but this spiritual experience has been given to us uh, in terms of metaphysical thought for the mind to grasp or in terms of stories for the heart to cherish So let me start with two small little stories about the origin of death as given in Indian mythology. 
One of the story is uh, that death has a wife, uh, sorry, son, the Lord God of uh, truth and light, effulgence, has a wife called Sangyana. Literally means an all-comprehending consciousness. Obviously, we can connect it to the supramental truth. But it so happens that at a point of time, because of such a tremendous heat, light, tremendous pressure, she goes for a few days and replaces herself with a sister called Chaya, which means shadow. So now, the Lord of Truth has two wives. One is who is uh, intimate, all-comprehending consciousness. And the second one who is Chaya. Chaya is shadow which imitates his wife. So that's how out of Chaya, shadow and sun, out of the play of light and dark, there is born this strange being who is and who is not. And that is called death. So he is known initially as Yama. Yama literally means the restrainer. So there are two laws that begin to operate from that moment onwards. The way of saying, one is the law of truth, <clears throat> the law of sun. And we here can connect very easily to that. This is the law of truth which Shurabindu wants to express in our lives. Because if the law of truth is, operates, then we escape the law of death. The second is the law of death. And the law of death is to restrain. Yama literally means, you know, Patanjali Yoga Sutras, Yama, Niyama. So it restrains the free flight towards infinity. Now this is not without a purpose because uh, if we look at the sunlight, the way it emerges and reaches to the earth, we will see that the pressure, the gravity, the force is so intense that hardly a photon or two escapes from there. That is enough, that little stream to light up <laughs> our universe, little universe. So for a real creation in terms of multiplicity to be, the, there was a need to put a kind of veil and whatever is behind the veil or below the veil, it grows under the law of death until it is ready for the full blaze of the truth. So the law of death operates as a shadow to help us slowly, slowly take little baby steps. We are having this wonderful, everything teaches us so whether to have the talk here or outside. And as you said, it's very hot outside. So we have the talk here. Now you see, this is the choice. Outside is beautiful, but it's very hot. <laughs> this is also beautiful, but that is something amazing, you know. So something similar happens in our life that we have a two-stage progress. One, a long time when we are under the grip of death and darkness and ignorance, and then the law of death operates. So what is the law? It's a restrainer. It doesn't allow us to go beyond the point. That is how it operates. You take the law of karma, take any which way. Ultimately, it means you can't go beyond a point. You may be born with the greatest of aspirations. Every child, I believe, um, is born with something beautiful. We may call it an ideal because in the mind it comes as an ideal. An ideal of love, of beauty, of light, of freedom, of truth, of bliss, peace. This fellow says, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'll limit it. So it limits and therefore beyond a point we cannot go. So within, there are two kinds of humanity, one which is content within that limit. It says, uh, let's make the most of what yet we may spend until and to the dust we descend. You know, Omar Khayyam's uh, quoting him. 
sense wine, sense singer, sense song, sense sin. So this one one kind of um, we human creatures who are content with the law of death and within this framework they operate and they want to make the most of what is possible within it. But there is another kind, the rebel in the true sense. They want to go beyond the frames and I suppose everybody gathered here in some way wants to go beyond the frame. So limitless, not just abundance, there is a difference between the two. Limitless love, limitless knowledge, limitless truth without error, limitless bliss, we are meant for that, we are born for that. Limitless peace, not dependent on any external condition. So this is a dream we are born with and at any given point of time these two are acting simultaneously upon every human creature. And a time comes when we are more conscious of this or more conscious of that. When we are more conscious of that limitlessness towards which we want to go, then yoga begins. When we are not conscious of that, then it is a subconscious yoga going on. Now this conflict which is going on within us, on one side, the law of truth, Surya, pulling us. On the other side, the law of death, Yama, restraining us, rooting us, serves a purpose, paradoxically. Everything in this creation serves a purpose. On one side, it roots us from too premature a flight. If we take too premature a flight, it's like traditional yoga, where one of the great poets, mystic poets, saints, Kabir says, that the pot is broken and the water has escaped. This is one kind of uh, understanding about uh, mystic truth that, you know, Pot is the body, the vessel, the mind, life. Let it break, the soul should escape. But there is another truth that no, the soul has not come to escape. It has come to change these very things. So now there are parts within us which respond to the law of truth and the one part which is directly tuned is the soul, the psychic being. And because it is so tuned directly to the law of truth, it knows it. That's why in Savitri it is called Satyavan. It knows the truth. So it cannot die. You may burn it, you may bury it, it refuses to die. And it carries the dream imprints of the future, so the dream refuses to die. We come back in new bodies, new minds, new life, but the dream doesn't die. It carries forward, wherever we have finished, like in a sense, kept inside. That's the whole purpose of rebirth. We come back with the dream, we go back with a still greater gusto. We, we die a million times and we rise from the grave and the pyre... One million and one times. That's what life is about. And it applies in a mini way in one lifetime also. So many times we face different kinds of death. Haven't we seen a dream which collapses? You know, every youngster faces some kind of dream. Whether it be dream of a career, job, relationship. Relationship is so common. So people come through and they go through a lot of pain. But uh, pain is temporary. The dream is permanent. You know, when they are going through the pain, sometimes they feel like life is not worth living, I am crushed, fallen. But what happens after some time? The dream bounces back. And if they have learned how to wait, the dream will return. Again there is a crash. Again it returns. The dream refuses to die. So, and all human life is ultimately not to give up but to build Eternity with transient things. That's what Shirobindo beautifully says. To tune our steps in time to the rhythms of the eternal. This is what life is about. To mate the finite with the infinite. Meaning thereby not to escape into the infinite, but let infinity flow into the finite form. This is the whole secret of death.
but death tries to delay and it will only slowly step by step you apply an effort which looks like you will take a hundred step leap but halfway through like the story of Daedalus and Icarus it will make us fall see flying began then <laughs> then Da Vinci and of course the Wright brothers and today we have entered in there but yet humanity advances so we should not forget that so the great lesson of death is it teaches us to persevere, to be patient, to try the better way, the right way. So this is the secret of death that it comes to on one side, not delay. Delay, it looks like delay, but to take everything and everybody along. So mother gives a very nice little example. She says, supposing you are going, a family is going on the, you know, on the road, is going somewhere. Um, I don't know, people may have witnessed ancient old time Indian families with four or five kids. So, you know, the father is in front, the mother is holding a baby, and there are four or five here, there. Sometimes you don't know where is the child. So, we are all, within us we carry multitudes. And a part of us is forging ahead. The soul within us. It's the real, it has the original dream. So, it is forging ahead. And haven't we noticed this is a very common observation and the mother says, yes, it's so true, that when we are in a state of great aspiration, we think, ah, we are right there at the doors knocking and now it's about to open and we are so wonderful and we just come out and we say, you know, I had a beautiful meditation, so nice it is, you know. And in the evening, <laughs> the door <laughs> seems to be closed forever as if. <laughs> Isn't it common experience? When you are in a state of intense aspiration, you suddenly see somebody as pulse sport has clipped the wings <laughs> or held us back, tied our legs and said, no, you'll be here. Because we have forgotten something. The whole idea of rebirth and the journey is that, that we have forgotten something. There is a baby out there within us crying for toys. And we didn't care about the baby. We were just, oh, I want the divine. So, but the baby wants toys. Is <laughs> I don't know about divine. <laughs> I want that little toy. So what do you do? You can't go like that. You have to tell the baby, okay, give him a toy. He's not ready to fly the aircraft. You have to carry along. And the baby takes a toy. After some time it says, no, no, I want something better, something true. Then at one point he says, okay, now I understand, you know, <laughs> these are all toys. They will break. There is something more true, more lasting. So in us also, at any given point of time, these are the forces which are acting. One which wants the truth and truth alone and nothing but the truth. That's how we take oath in the uh, place where there are liars, you know. Uh, this is a little one from Shurbindo when he was told about lawyers, L-A-W-Y-E-R-S, those who, uh, you know, fight a case on behalf of not truth but on your behalf. <laughs> They're supposed to bring out the truth. <laughs> And uh, so Shirobindo says, yes, yes, in Punjab they all call them liars. That's how, you know, you sometimes pronounce the word lawyer as liar. That's how. So he says liars. So, you know, there is in us a part which is response to the truth and that is in the beginning when you take the oath. I will speak whatever I speak in the name of the Gita or the Bible or the Quran or my God or whatever secular. <laughs> I will speak the truth and that the end of the truth. After that everything else that carries on is a lie in the name of that truth. So within us there is a part but however small which responds to truth. And the beauty of um, you know the spiritual thought and the fact of experience of life 
If we look across through centuries, not a little brief lifetime, look across through centuries, the truth is that though this part which opens to the truth may be a momentary thing, yet the eternal truth is that Satyameva Jayate Nanritam, Satya Nipanta, Vitato Deviyana. It is truth that have the last word. So this is the hope that mankind nurtures within it. That's why it comes back. The whole idea of rebirth is that. Otherwise rebirth has no meaning if it's all about, you know, uh, good and bad deeds and judgment and punishment and reward. Uh, God is not a CEO with a carrot dangling in one hand and a rod in another, sitting with a nice bearded smile and saying, you creatures condemned to hell. Obviously, such a God is uh, not worth <laughs> praying to also. So he is constantly wanting to change us into that light of truth to which we belong. So we are at once double birth, a part within us responding to truth and many things which do not respond. Not only do not respond, they close, go inside the little hole and they don't want to, they resist. So how do we deal with these things? That's where the secret of death, the more we ascend to these parts which are inside the hole, more we are being pulled towards death. You know, there is something which we as scientists, uh, I mean, medical uh, doctors recognize it's called as faith and will to be now you know we talk about corona and all that you know uh, i wish people made a study but otherwise there are studies which have been done that who dies and who lives one of the most important factor is will to be i remember long back when unfortunately i was attending on a case which had you know a case of self harm the child had got badly burnt child means a grown up uh, girl and I asked the doctors like you know I myself a doctor I said what, what do you think are the chances like hanging says it will depend upon her will to be the specialist doctor and it's so true so what is important step one is which side is our will to be and this will to be is so important when Shubindu speaks of the descent into night where you know is the domain of death he says a fifth columnist murmurs defeat. You know, what's the fifth columnist when you go in a war? The fifth columnist, the first columnist is the warriors. They want to fight, eyeball to eyeball contact and they love the battle and the victory. They don't mind falling on the ground but fighting. But fifth columnist are those that carry the rations, etc. They are afraid of the bullets so they keep saying, Sir, why do you want to fight? Why don't you know? Let's go back, let's go back. So within us we have a part which murmurs against faith, full of disbelief. Mother speaks of it. She says, my struggle with death is mainly the suggestions that come from every side. And she says, it's almost cruel. All the time I get suggestions. Oh, Shobindo left his body. How are you going to succeed? How is it possible? She says, and I have to fight against it. And then she says, this yoga is not for the weak. You must have the consciousness of the warrior who is willing to go right up to the end and beyond. If we are not ready to go right up to the end, we can't go to the beyond. It's a basic logic. Right up to the den, the fight will be carried right up to there. In the jaws of death, there is the secret of immortality. That's why, you know, we have asadoma, sadgamya, tamasoma, jyotirgamya, mrityorma, amritamgamya. What is it? It's not from death to immortality. One way to look at it. But, that immortality which is hiding in the cape of death. Mrityurma Amritam Gamya. So that's where the secret of immortality is to be found. And how it is to be found? That's where these parts within us, which are 
not accepting the law of truth they are the other kind of rebels they want to be away from the effulgence of truth and how do they act doubt oh this truth and all is uh, you know there are some crazy people who go to some ashrams or who start believing in crazy things real life is here eat drink and be merry enjoy until you are enjoyed by life or death this is doubt god doesn't exist a hallucination malady of the mind thyroid gone wrong or maybe you know you should get your blood sugar checked up that's why you are talking of god so this is the doubt disbelief depression distrust despair all these are agents of death yamadoot they are not like coming with you know <laughs> these kind of creatures they are those which sow into us the seeds of impossibility and yet the impossibilities of today are possibilities of the future it's not important whether in a particular lifetime we conquer over death in all the domains or not what is important is with if we go down may we go down fighting like a warrior not like a you know somebody who has given such marvelous lines in savitri she refused to give consent to that that's the kind of spirit that is needed to conquer death yet death comes it comes into life and when it comes how do we deal with it not with the eye of the defeatist that all is lost all is never lost because there is something which refuses defeat as i said which rises from the pyre and the grave that's why the famous lines of the gita on one side we talk about anityam asukham lokam that's about the world but what about the soul nenam chiddanti shastrani nenam dehati pavakam the fire burn it not the weapons cannot leave it the waters cannot drown it and the air cannot dry it meaning thereby it is beyond the four five elements it belongs to that domain even if you destroy all the elements with which the warp and woof of creation is made yet it will survive it it will survive defeat it will survive death so this is how we should treat the departed not as somebody who is you know there is a very interesting tradition um, yeah, i am sure it's everywhere in different ways but i am talking of the context from which because i had this question that when there is somebody who has died why do we go and do pranam he is gone so it purely materialistic view is there is there is no more you may do it for social reasons because there is always a social reason so you know it doesn't look nice everybody is around it's a kind of last respect but to whom are you giving respect if he is gone or you if you take a traditional spiritual view he is gone the moment there is death all is gone so why are you doing pranam so somebody like you know the crazy people like me want to question everything and want to know the reason i won't do it just because everybody says so so the reason is twofold one is that this is the body which someone inhabited for so many years and took the challenge of death it doesn't matter one or lost the dreams of today are realities of tomorrow not yet immediately like i said the dream of flying seen by dedalus and icarus and the author of the pushpak viman valmiki ramayan or in our more recent times few hundred years before by da vinci ultimately got manifested and the space craft could free itself from the gravity field so this is a bo- each body is a challenge every time we take a birth 
every time an avatar comes he comes to take the challenge of the law of death see the story goes like there is an opponent the eternal opponent whether it takes the form of ravana or kansa but who are they they are the great deniers so there is the challenge of death but the challenge of death has to be taken for the challenge of the future that's why death is is sphinx with two heads you know the story of the sphinx is a symbol of death and immortal life same so she asked a question if you answer the question shobindo puts it beautifully in his poem a vision of science where religion as it is receding tell science thou who thinkest term and end for thee are not though thy pride is great great thou hast forgot the sphinx that waits for thee beside the way all questions thou mayest answer but one day her questions shall await thee that reply for they who cannot die she slays them and their mangled bodies lie upon the highways of eternity therefore if thou wouldst live answer first this one thing who art thou in this dungeon laboring so first thing necessary to escape the law of death is to recover and discover that part satyavan who is in any case free from the law of death there is within us that is the psychic being that little antah sharire jyotirmayo hi shubro that little luminous but since he knows the toil of mind and body and life as a mother knows and shares her children's lives she puts forth a small portion of herself a being no bigger than the thumb of man to face the pang and to forget the bliss this in us is the godhead small and mad i believe there was a pro- dance program drama on nachiketa in orwell yesterday um, that's what uh, i was told by fabian and today also so that's the story there is something which death cannot destroy let's find that that is the uh, parasmani the the philosopher stone the touchstone and if we find that then the first escape from the law of death and see death helps us towards that it is because there is death men seek immortality but they seek it the the, the worst or the lowest form is through my child that's how you know death has something to do with the reproduction you know the sexual energy with the new creation you turn it downward you have a baby who will continue your lineage santan turn it upwards it's not a baby but you discover the divine baby within you so these are the two options <laughs> turn it downwards and outwards it's a little baby in which all our energies go turn it inwards and you discover the eternal child of the divine mother within us so this is the first conquest over death without it all scientific way this way will remain a dream having discovered that now we start each part begins to escape the law of death one of the first is mind why because matter is so close to the inconscient root of things the last thing that changes but the mind in the process of hierarchy is much higher mind many times has a tendency to escape the law of death that's why people mentally can immortalize a work of art or you know uh, authors who write things which which carry on for ages the mind has this ability to escape the law of death it can enter into endless space so if we inspire the mind with thoughts which are luminous and upturned towards the sun so we at least one more layer which is conquered step by step the battle then comes the heart and the vital very difficult fellows 
they know they want immortality but they also want their all their life with fun and party and games and everything <laughs> so you have to play with them they don't listen to the mind discipline the vital it will shut down you allow it to come and bring into it that little chip so let it not be love which is just a normal usual love you know that shelley's poem i cannot give you what men call love but the love which is an adoration let love turn into an adoration is seeking for a ideal state perfect state that's what happens with every love story starts like that it crash lands that's a different thing because messer's death is waiting so the heart begins to get purified when you know one wants the truth of the soul in the bodily life in the emotional life then heart begins to change it is also one now one more creature on the side of sun then the lower impulses turn towards food sexuality normal job ambition tell them there is something much greater much higher much more beautiful more refined energy instead of drawing that energy lower energy draw much more uh, purer forms of energy so slowly this also fellow realizes that that is so much better i can remain energetic throughout the day so the vital once it tastes the lower vital there is a much better energy by opening to the universal vital and ultimately through spiritual aspiration to the divine the simplest ways by divine service and divine work the lower vital begins to change and then finally on the body the most difficult part to be convinced because it's so obscure the cells don't even know all this and so every time so illness is a means when we go through difficult phases of the body why illness pain we all experience sometime or the other this pain which is a roga can become a yoga by using this pain as a means to open to the divine consciousness to the divine light a little story i remember i Uh, love to recount it of jugalda with that we can stop so you know he he was wincing with pain for 15 days and people notice us jugalda what's happening he was the registrar of the uh, shurbindo international center of education at one point of time so they asked him that why are you walking like this and you know he said no i have a bad corn so he said why don't you get it operated he said don't say that you know i was for a long time thinking of calling ma all the time but i won't remember now this every time i press i call ma now this is not the perfect way that we have to go through pain to remember but every time we have a pain we are a bundle of nerves this nerves can be offered to her it's a way that the yoga in the physical is actually done that one enters the light enters into this and all the nerves will rebel they will say ah ooh ouch all kinds of things don't use the holy gel spray advised by the doctors use the divine spray it will take time but is the most perfect healing so when people depart we should treat them with this respect this love they deserve they are not gone forever they will return but while they are in the transit they need our help and what help we can give from here the thoughts of love thoughts of respect not oh that fellow good he has gone good riddance after death we are all that luminous beings we are not bad creatures soul is always beautiful whatever there may have been differences fights quarrels before death please embrace the person with love because that is the truth of a human being
and when the person departs by all means very important because the soul never wanted to enter into quarrels and fights it always comes with the dream of love everybody as a youngster has this dream it's a different thing again messers death and company which will restrain like the tower of babel they will not allow they'll create confusion because he doesn't want you to pro- us to progress fast rapidly and as i said there is a purpose so when people depart salutations and know that they will come back in new bodies new climes the journey will continue but while they are transiting let us offer a love let us send them back it's the last act of love that we owe towards everybody it's the act of setting them free we grieve not because of them we grieve because of us it's the value of a person in our life but is the value limited just to the physical things or the little affection that he could give us the real value of a person is what he aspired for what he hoped for what he dreamed for however buried it was that is the real value and that's all we should remember not that moment of oh somebody you know the people who die of uh, very um, strange things some people take away their life tragic thing yet the man is not defined by that the man is defined by what he stood for what he aspired for so when we remember that the person also goes happily on the journey because that is his secret truth for a moment he had forgotten consciousness was clouded so he did what he should not have done but yet the truth remains and when he has left the body and that vital sheets now he remembers this is what i am the luminous satyavan and so he is very happy when somebody says yes i know you are that i don't label you as what everybody thought of you it's not a tragedy death is never a tragedy death is a beginning to a greater end so let me close with these few lines from savitri um i was thinking i won't but uh, can't help it <laughs> so just a few lines and then we can have question answers it's on page 600 all here is a mystery of contraries darkness a magic of self hidden light suffering some secret raptures tragic mask and death an instrument of perpetual life it goads us to live if there was no death we would stay in comfort zones we face death and we take the challenge of death that's why we forge towards the future as i said it's the sphinx with two faces the future comes with the promise of change and the promise of death we have to accept so we can't take one we take accept the challenge of death we ex- take the challenge of the future if we are afraid then we lose although death walks beside us on life's road a dim bystander on the body's at the body's start a dim bystander at the body's start and a last judgment on man's futile works other is the riddle of its ambiguous face death is a stair a door a stumbling stride the soul must take to cross from birth to birth a great defeat pregnant with victory a whip to lash us towards a deathless state the inconscient world is the spirit's self made room eternal night shadow of eternal day see sanjana and uh, sangyan and chaya night is not our beginning nor our end she is the dark mother in whose womb we have hid safe from too swift waking to world pain we came to her from a supernal light by light we live and to the light we go
this what we must remember and give send offs to people with this hope with this fire in the heart this is the fire in which we must burn the dead that fire is for the body but there is a much greater fire and when they burn in that fire we add our aspiration on their journey they know that our life has not been in vain and not a failure it's a great defeat pregnant with victory thank you i think we'll stop here and have questions yeah that's much better hello sir um, i'm sorry but if i have misunderstood any part but um, i wanted to understand what is the association between death and karma okay so karma is a uh, the association between death and karma so karma literally if we go back to the origin is an energy that we release into this world okay so this energy is released originally this energy that is given to man through which it is being released we think we are doing karma but we are like conduits through which energy passes goes through the system and is released into the world so what we add to it either a force of propulsion or a force of distortion this is the two things which are possible energy comes from nature and beyond nature that's even commonly we can see but we let it forward all the time this is happening in this world so when we are aligned to light and truth and to the original will then we give it a propulsion and when we give it a propulsion we grow and when we are not aligned so we add to it our own deformation our own little distortion say for example that there is a work which we are meant to do by a sudharma arjuna is to fight a battle because he is a by sudharma kshatriya now so is karna but what is the difference arjuna fights with the dharma flow of dharma he is not fighting because you know uh, i want to win and rule over and crush these fellows and you know make sure they become slaves but karna is fighting for a different purpose so we add either from our side or ascent consent to the workings of the will most of the time we are not aware but the original what's happening in the background or we add to it a distortion we deflect it so depending on that in a lifetime nature shows us by experience that you have deflected it and that's called the consequences of karma we thought that ah i have cheated this and i have won and then you win everything and you lose it right from your hands it escapes okay so life it's not about punishment it teaches us that there is a deflection so next time we do it a little better then a third time we do it a little better now but how many time will do a little better in one lifetime a lifetime is too short because the body is not yet able to progress continuously so a time comes when the body says you keep doing better and better but i am poor fellow i want to go into the dust it's not able to take that load so when you know it's a paradox mother puts it like this that at 60 we learn how to live i don't know how many are here in this age group <laughs> so at 80 life begins you have done all your mistakes now you know no no this is how it should be <laughs> but the body says sorry too late you know too late for me <laughs> so what happens dust now in next life you begin your journey with the essence of that experience so karma is a evolutionary mechanism we could go on a road up to a point learn up to a point through experience consequence action and consequence and some of the consequence we have not yet learned so we carry over for another life that look here 
body says i can't take all these consequences anymore you fellow <laughs> so so we quit uh, not quit but you know there is a state of dislocation permanent dislocation and we leave the body but to come back from where we had left something unfinished so through karma we grow so karma is an evolutionary mechanism inbuilt like a software within our soul that's why we are never satisfied with any halfway homes have you ever heard about karma theory applied to animals i mean don't go into jataka tales which are a way of explaining but you'll not hear nobody says that you know tiger will be punished because it ate a deer <laughs> tiger it's his law of being but with human beings the karma theory comes into existence and it comes into existence because individuality the law of choices and consequences so because we are growing now at an individual level before that there is a collective law of the species that operates so if a species is misbehaving nature will exterminate it that's a different thing so individual soul is on the journey and it grows from the state of total darkness in which it is plunged to a state of complete effulgence of truth through the release of energy till it reaches a point where it everything in it is completely aligned to the original will what is that original will eko ham bahushyami everything in us must become divine and till that happens in the mind one can realize it soul can realize it mind can realize it heart can realize it lower life parts take time but can realize it the body longest so the whole original will is that in nature in creation and that is why we refuse to give up we want perfection ask even a person who is meeting with everything still wants perfection the cause for our unhappiness in life we want perfection but the thing is that we want perfection in others this little change why doesn't the person care for me love me understand me perfectly but the perfection has to be realized within me that's the only thing that's what the difference between yoga and you know early life is same thing everybody is doing so this perfection the original replica of this perfection is above in the law of truth but we try to you know uh, do it fashion it so karma theory is basically is the evolutionary mechanism the body is destroyed but the soul carries the imprints of essence of the experience and the unfinished curves of the future essence of experience not the details nobody if somebody says oh i remember you know everybody first of all past life remembers that he was a king or somebody nobody remembers that i was a notorious gangster and a criminal in you know uh, spain or somewhere you know uh, sorry i mean i i meant the what was those uh, ship uh, people who used to go into the ship and steal yeah pirates pirates maybe good guys at that point of time whatever their ideology was but nobody remembers these things everybody was somebody special that's uh, you know imagination you don't remember the details not necessary it's like childhood memories what remains of the childhood memory people go through a heartbreak at the age of 16 17 nowadays it is at 10 9 11 whatever you know things have advanced even at 5 i heard somebody you know it because evolution but that time it appears life has collapsed what happens at 45 50 60 when you have a child that age and the child says uh, papa mama i am going through a heartbreak what do you say oh my child world has collapsed you say are you will go through it and grow through it why because essence is remained that love doesn't die that's the essence you would have forgotten the same person you meet later on you won't blame that you rejected me and you did this because you have outgrown so essence is carried through the law of karma in the soul
and that is what is put forth as a seed for the future and the unfinished curves unfinished curves in this example would be in a lifetime you couldn't realize the dream of perfect love so in next i will be okay fine better understanding better growth that's how the law of karma continues yeah yeah belief and the belief. only belief role of belief so there are two things we must uh, differentiate one is belief and the other is faith so belief is uh, is a thing of the mind you know minds have belief system like when shobindo says that uh, we have a soul i can take it as a belief and turn it into a belief system like you know we have grown up like that that there is a soul so every time somebody dies we play the geeta in the indian context and you know there is a soul soul doesn't die but next moment we are all the time lamenting everything so belief doesn't not ordinarily belief gives us a comfort but it doesn't automatically translate into the truth of experience but faith on the contrary is embedded in the soul what we have faith in we end up realizing because faith is much deeper so if i faith that there is a soul within me or i am the soul i will end up one day finding a way to realize it doesn't matter i may read no book at all in this whole creation i may have never read any book in the past or present or one that will come in the future but if i am made up of that faith that there is a soul within i'll do anything everything maybe while drinking water i will say oh where is this soul inside and one day i'll find the way to find it so faith is a power which impels us to realize what we have faith in so it is a secret knowledge belief is a mental construct and uh, it may help people but equally it prevents us to go beyond a point depending on the kind of belief we have for instance we may have belief that you know we are rewarded and punished by some god sitting out there so it may prevent me from you know uh doing certain uh, evil deeds though i am not sure whether it's true because most of the people who very rigidly believe in sin they commit the worst sins upon earth you know uh, punishment and all they give punishment to others all right that you are a sinner and i'll punish you but they continue to you know massacre ruin rape plunder everything but uh, still it's one so it it is meant to belief systems are meant to help us operate within a certain framework it gives to the mind a framework but it also prevents us from going further imagine a religious belief system in a in which a person has grown up and he believes that's the end of the story so he will never go beyond when a greater truth manifests this one of the challenge of challenges of the mother and shurbindo where on the one side materialists don't know how to reject him because he speaks of divine materialism and the religionists don't know what to do with him because he says go beyond religions <laughs> so that's where spirituality comes in spirituality takes us beyond belief systems to the truth of experience so belief can be a starting point but the perfect starting point is faith and this the starting point it should translate into experience and that requires practice so all yoga is to translate faith into a living experience so that i don't just believe there is a soul inside me but i become one with that soul so that i can say like what swami ramtirth said when somebody asked me after a lecture so swami ji you mean that there is a soul within your body he says no no i i'm not seeing that he said but you just said some such a big lecture he said you got me wrong i am a soul and i have a body it's not that i have a soul i am a soul and i have a body it changes the perspective 
And it's not a perspective change, but a fact of experience that when we know that we have a soul, not by mental knowledge, which belief system provides, but by living fact of experience, then we are freed from the sting of death. It cannot ever touch us. That's the perfect way to freedom from death. Because you know it doesn't exist. I don't die. Whether I live or die, I am. So this is the difference between belief and faith. Alok, would you would you mind to uh, um, to give some uh, some words about your personal experience about fear? Because um, even though we may uh, relate from our psychic being, uh, death is very associated to fear, and we may pretend, okay, I am absolutely not fearing about death, but still there is some yes. very Could you share something which could be yes. more personal? Fear of death. So, uh, fear, like everything else, can be experienced at different levels and we have to address it at each level. So, as you rightly said that um, intellectually, the mind may understand. We may convince the rational mind and it is rational not to believe in death, actually. Rationally, you can convince it as the Gita starts with that, that if death is the end of everything... Why are you worried? Logical. If it is not the end of everything, why are you worried? That's how it starts, no? Telling Arjuna that, you know, if everything ends with death, what's the big deal? One day you will die, everybody has died, that means end of everything. So what they have to think about it? But if there is something in us, as, uh, you know, people who have gone beyond say, then why worry? So this is how the intellectual mind has to be uh, explained. And uh, not by a belief system, by, but by logical, it's a logical conclusion that if something survives in whatever way, information, consciousness, energy, it doesn't matter, then what is there to worry about death? It's only something happening to a part of us. The body dies, I don't die. You can also convince the rational mind through certain um, experiences which have come. Like, you know, Dr. Modi's wonderful research, then, you know, there are some out of body experiences, near-death experiences. There was a video of Anita Murjani. So all these are good ways to make the intellectual mind understand that, look, you know, we don't really die. Or something in us survives death. So this is one part. But intellectual understanding doesn't automatically translate into the heart. The emotions are attached. Oh, my life is not yet, you know, over. So how to train the emotions... So emotion, that's a process. Our intellectual mind is relatively easier. Emotions, that's a process. Because emotional natures or emotional being is attached to things of a very transient nature. It is never learned to attach to the eternal. Now when I say attached to the eternal, there are two ways of understanding is love the eternal and not all these creatures in forms and names. That's the traditional way. But love the eternal in everybody. Imagine that, you know, you love the eternal, the immortal element, the soul in your partner, in the people around you, in those who are in contact with us, whom we call as a family member. Then this love, and it's a training. That means their surface natures, their rubbings of the ego. It's not that we look. Which means that we will love in the way that if somebody uh, gets angry, I'm giving an example. So you understand it's not the person, it's a momentary anger which has taken over. We don't cast a judgment. So we, when we live like that, our emotional life, then a time comes when we are ready to enter into the eternal because the emotions don't bind us to anything which is of a transient nature. The same thing happens with the vital, low vital. 
when it is attached to temporary aims, living by the law of desire, then it's a tremendous uh, pain. I mean, I've seen people at the moment of death who are thinking about their children, grandchildren. One person was so worried that when I die, my children will fight with each other. I said, why? He said, over the property. I said, let them fight you. Go in peace. Can you buy your trouble? Uh, you know, uh, so that's why he had not yet, he had written a will but not revealed. Because if I tell them now, they will start killing each other. <laughs> so, so again, the life of man, our life should be led in a way. A life lived well is a life which frees itself from the sting of death. And what it means is not to live for the temporary and the transient gains, but to live for the eternal. All our actions should tend towards that. That's why service of the divine is such a simple way to free ourselves from the sting of death. He, he will take care. We, we don't you know, worry about and again at the body there is a fear even in the nervous system in the very nerves and the Upanishad describes it what is that pain of death there is a whole subtle nervous system behind this visible nervous system corresponding to it which attaches us to the body the soul to the body it's a whole machinery and engineering now if we have learned during life to separate ourselves, to detach ourselves from the phenomenal appearances, then when the time comes, we say, okay, I'm ready. Because we always knew how to unlock. You know, there are places where you have those fire extinguishers. I'm sure everywhere people have. And I often ask, how many people know how to use it? Everybody will fumble. When there is a fire, it's no time to learn to unloose it. You'll fumble. But if every day we have practiced a little bit of detachment inside and remembering the divine presence, then when the time comes to open up or somebody is opening up the screws, we know, okay, fine, bye-bye. So this is the way we live is itself not just a preparation for death because death is not the final thing, but to come back, uh, you know, losing least. And finally, the best solution, Mother says the mystic solution, and I have seen people like that. Mystic solution is what? Very simple. Nestled in the arms of the divine. It's given to man to pray, to be conscious of the Lord. I really feel this is the greatest blessing upon earth. Something given to us which prays. Animals can't pray. Surely they pray, but you know, they can't express it. It's so beautiful to be able to pray to the divine. To imagine that I am in the mother's lap. Every day to think that I am held by her. It's so beautiful. What death can touch, we won't even realize. We'll, we were sleeping in her lap every day and we are carried by her through the journey of life towards that. So the best preparation is the mystic preparation. When death comes, he says, okay, we can wait, wait. You are not the one with whom I go. And then the mother comes. As she has herself said that, you know, my children don't go to death. Well, this much simpler in, you know, and... You wait for her when she comes, you go with her. So these are the various levels, in short, that death can be tackled. But it has to start from beginning. It can't be last minute. Shubindu was asked that it is written in the Gita that uh, at the end of the moment of death, if you remember God, you will get moksha, liberation. He says, well, but you have to remember the other shloka that precedes it. They are two together. So what is the other one? It says, therefore, O Arjuna, remember me at all times and fight. So if one has never remembered the divine throughout life, 
then at the end point okay when i die there is a system operating within that i can think of god if we have not then at the end point also we'll think of only those whom we have been attached to so to be attached to the divine to love the divine through everything is the simplest way and it's such a beautiful thing but human ego is uh, <laughs> big prevent stands the barrier what divine i so death comes as a reminder the sphinx that waits for us beside the way who is this i i am a great doctor don't you know it trained in oh is it come i slay you you know i am a very acknowledged person so much name and fame i don't care many have gone before you but the day we are able to say in the face of death i am mother's child the same sphinx will change and we'll see behind the mask of terror the mask of the luminous smile of the beloved so many experiences i have had of this kind people in ashram context even outside but much more in ashram context who have departed so beautifully i remember one particular person he had malignancy 75 and i was told to you know i just come and i was told to you know go and uh, see him because you know he may be having bit psychological disturbance but he had no psychological disturbance he had he when i asked him what's your problem he said i have a little bit of eating difficulty he was watching nice news 15 more days to live all ascites and all so i said this cool first i thought that he is probably you know trying going to denial because of training all that you have <laughs> but this man was very interesting just uh, after maybe week two weeks or whatever he was he landed up in the nursing home so in the evening i asked him everybody came to see him his wife and others so i asked him uh, you know people are hanging outside so Uh, you tell me whom would you like to be near I, he said no one i said are you sure he said yes i said what about your wife he said no i just want to be with the mother from evening 6 o'clock he sat bolt straight he didn't take his meal but sat 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 at 1:30 suddenly the nurse night feels something that let me go and see him and at that point of time his head rolls to one side i have seen such deaths you won't have even heard his name i have also forgotten so there are people like that who who don't whose names are not written in the annals of spiritual beings but they are deeply spiritual so there are deaths like that i'm sure in oroville context would have seen how beautifully people go without fear but the condition is no attachment or to put it other way attach with the divine in everybody that's i find it more um, better than attachment attach with the divine in everyone so that's so beautiful i have seen that i have seen a dog depart like that <laughs> very fond of me and you know it was it become a kind of dog of everybody in that ashram area and would go around sit near the below the balcony as if and i would do pranam he is sitting looking up as if he is having mother's darshan i would wonder probably he is actually seeing <laughs> and then you know one day he actually i none of us could realize he was probably paralyzed or something and uh, then last bit before he became completely unconscious was uh, he was not able to move his body we had called a vet ultimately the vet took him but the last moment that i remember was the moment i went near he made all the effort to lift his head and looked at me with such love and tenderness 
And I just went near and I just prayed to her because I knew there is nothing much can be done but looked at him with great fondness and he dropped. And of course, wet came everything but he had actually left the body in the ashram atmosphere. This my own, this thing, uh, feeling. So there are beautiful, even animals know how to die well. <laughs> I saw him in the dream, <laughs> moving around the ashram. <laughs> yeah. Actually quite a few, he reminded me of Dhuman Bhai's experience, somebody, uh, he called, uh, Dhuman Bhai he was one of the trustees in the ashram and he was, it seems, given the boon of Ikshamritya, he could choose his own time for departure. But uh, one of the experiences that, you know, on 17th August he was admitted in nursing home for two days, uh, I mean, he was admitted for something. And on 19th August he departed. 19th August morning when someone came to meet him, he told him that in the evening at 7 you do go to the Samadhi. Now this person was departing around 8 o'clock or something. He didn't know why he is saying like that, insisting. And then he did go to the Samadhi and you know, while he was there, Dhuman Bhai had left the body. Around 7.20 or something like that. And the best part was on 19th August he left the body and when they went, because he used to keep all the ashram accounts and all, till 19th he had written. 17th he is admitted, but what a preparedness for death. That one is knows that, you know, any time I can go, any day I can go, and one is ready every day to depart. Something very be beautiful that I heard about that. Number of such things, but this was exceptional. Yeah. I was reminded of a little incident, another of money bands, she has departed now. So she was telling me that at 15, a young girl, she had joined um, the Golkund uh, in Ashram and she was working under Monadi. So one day uh, at around 5 o'clock, you know, for the usual group, she started running to the group and uh, Monadi stopped her and said, why you are going, have you finished the work? He said, Mother, I have, uh, Monadi, I have finished everything, just a little bit is there, I will come and do it tomorrow. She say, so Mona told her, what if the mother comes in the evening when you are not here? Your work will remain incomplete. And this was a lesson, though it looked like just an outer lesson in work, it was a huge lesson that every day, let's finish the task at hand, so that <laughs> there is no tomorrow to brood over and no tomorrow to lament about, to be ready any day. Yeah. It, uh, again, two little... Uh, things which I am reminded of. One is about the departure time. So the departure of my physical mother and uh, you know she was um, um, having some problem anyways early morning I was called. She was in the same hospital where I used to work and she just asked the sister to call me and I went there and I, I said what's happening? She said I am feeling very um, she used the word chatpat, I mean restless. I am feeling very restless. So I said what do you want? She said I want to leave Mukti, now I don't want to live uh, anymore, I want to leave the body. So I asked her to concentrate in the heart, uh, put my hand here and said, concentrate here on mother's presence, but she couldn't. After a few minutes she said, I am unable to. I mean, she, she had not practiced uh, that way yoga, but she was like traditional, lot of mala, japa and all that. So then uh, I put my hand over her head and I said, okay, you uh, concentrate here, you think the mother is here and pull yourself there. And within minutes she was gone. It's very fascinating story. And uh, another uh, with regard to this dream, uh, you know, Chomdi, um, 
she has grown up in the ashram from the age of i think 3 and wonderful lady she would you know very close like 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 a like a mom almost and every sunday we would have dinner together so after she left her body then one day i suddenly see her after some time i see that the same dinner assembly we used to meet and chomdi is there so i asked uh, i am looking at her quizzically and with a characteristic smile she comes near me and says you think so you think i am dead and smiles i don't know what to respond because it's very not not a good thing to say yes i think you are dead <laughs> and then she gives me a cherry and um, i taste the cherry and i say this is amazing this is so tasty where do you get it from and she just smiles and the whole thing vanished next day look at the beauty of it somebody all the way comes from australia and says you know what i got these cherries for you exactly the same cherries which i had in the dream the same taste i remembered the taste it was a carry over from there and i had all my hairs standing on i said so the entire thing was planned much before and she knew the cherries are coming she picked up the cherry in the celestial world as a concrete proof and exactly the same thing with uh, the whole thing so i i personally believe that uh, it's a um, it will be a very good thing which you know what the sharing sessions it'll be very nice if all these things uh, uh, can be somewhere documented for the future you know because uh, this is the problem science wants evidence and these are such convincing stories not stories which have been thought about and written but spontaneous sharings and there are plenty of them plenty plenty but that all data is lost why because uh, we haven't and that's what i find wonderful about the vedas they preserve the data veda is a compendium of experiences so it's preserved down that people could refer back and say okay there is a possibility like that so i believe that these stories in a world like today where you know people want convincing scientific evidence these are empirical evidence and uh, psychology admits them as anthro you know uh, there is a whole branch where you accept individual accounts of experiences as authentic so it will be wonderful to have a lot of such stories and at some point i don't know when you can remove names and everything but keep them for as a source material for generations to come plenty will be there and accumulate uh, hmm it's a you see at one point i thought about it i'll tell you when i joined the ashram because i saw six seven deaths of this kind and it was so fascinating but i got into many other things but this idea i have been telling lot of people i have my own set of experiences which i wrote in the book death time beyond but to make a you know it has it needs a group to really dedicate to this like an odd story here an odd story somewhere that's how it will accumulate it won't be you know and it should be spontaneous like sharing if you start now 10 years down the line you'll have a veda of you know immortality and death and immortality share by stories and they are authentic and genuine i mean they are facts of experiences so you tell people that no everything finishes after death now here is an account of the grandmother actually coming and you know sharing with you i have number of experiences like that and it's so wonderful why not after all that's how learning grows so it's that's why one of the things that mother has actually 
advised and it's there even in a story of one of the ashram sadhaks that when a person departs don't be in a hurry to disturb the room it's like some people okay now he has departed so there is a time between life and departure so you know we departure is not a moment it's a transition through days which is recognized in uh, you know all all places so during that place it's advisable not to disturb the surroundings because very often something gets drawn into that atmosphere and takes rest during the journey so it's not uh, sometimes even for a year you know for beings who are developed because something in them comes drawn especially if there is a beautiful atmosphere so comes there stays there and goes back so this is how it's a very important point to you know remember after departure not to disturb the room in which the person was staying for some time after some time you will feel it that now it's gone and one can make new things yes so that's the beauty of these stories that they are not just about death and after life but they open doors to a new understanding as you said the outer mind is not aware but something is aware which uh, shows up in certain hints suggestions a dream here so that's something very beautiful it breaks the standard format in which we live so it's very beautiful yeah okay so shall oh. we yeah thank you alok and thank, thank you, you sushit for you. recording and joel for audio and thank you for all of you for your participation thank you thank you okay